Ladies, gentlemen, and those who don't identify as such, my name is Cole Johnson, and welcome back to Random Acts of Awesomeness. This is the first ever episode of Nerd News. I'm really excited about it, and there's a lot to talk about because there's a lot going on right now. We've got video games, we've got nerd movies, we've got esports stuff just flying out the woodwork. There's a lot going on, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Uh, we're going to talk about Anthem, Kingdom Hearts, Into the Spider-Verse. So that's just all that's coming up. So just get ready, strap in, and hold on to your butts, because it's go time. It's time, it's time, it's Anthem time. So, like probably a lot of you, I was really excited uh, when I saw that uh, Anthem was coming out. Um, So I am a big, big Bioware fan. And I have bought just about every single one of their games. And uh, I just love playing. Dragon Age is one of my favorite uh, game franchises ever. Um, Mass Effect is great. And I've just uh, I've enjoyed it a lot, um, and Anthem is is weird because there's a lot of people who are kind of iffy about it, uh, as they should be with the situations that happened with Andromeda last year and it not really quite living up to expectations. Uh, I think it also kind of got a, a bad rap for not having Commander Shepard, um, which is uh, just kind of a weird reason to hate a game, but. You know, that's, uh, there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, I personally kind of enjoyed it. It was pretty hard to get through in the middle parts, however, and I think that video games have a bad habit nowadays of being open world just for the sake of being open world, and I don't think that does anybody any favors. Uh, just look at uh, Dynasty Warriors 9 and that whole debacle that was they decided to call a game. Uh, that was frustrating. But uh, anyway, I digress. Back to Anthem. So Anthem, it, for those of you that don't know, is uh, developed by Bioware. The same people who made Mass Effect and uh, Dragon Age and uh, Jade Empire, Baldur's Gate, um, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, all that. They decided to take a swing uh, at a shared world game. Uh, a shared world game is very much like Destiny, where... You don't. It's not necessarily a MMO, but it has a lot of elements of it. Uh, but you can play the the campaign solo. You don't. You're not necessarily uh, missing out on anything uh, if you choose to play solo. But they've gotten a lot of flack for that because they're just. There's a lot of people who are just thinking it's just a Destiny clone. There's not a lot there. They're they're trying to just kind of cash in on on Destiny, which was a bit of a it's a, it was a popular game amidst a certain demographic and amidst a certain group of people who will defend destiny until the day that they die and there's other people who are just aren't impressed by it uh they don't they didn't feel like it drew them in or had anything meaningful uh about it and for me personally i could not stand destiny one i have played destiny two and i enjoyed that uh, but i still don't necessarily feel the absolute need to go back to it 
Um, it's kind of like it's there if I'm bored and I want to switch things up. But for the most part, it's not uh, the game I'm maining right now. It's interesting to see how someone's going to kind of improve upon that. So I want to see how they do. But one of the hallmarks of Bioware games are really, really interesting and intricate stories and social interactions with other characters in the game, which if you have a shared world kind of takes away from that. It can really, really negatively affect that. Um, You know, there's a lot of people. So one thing that people always do for the rest of their lives is ship people, which is relationship, uh, which means you just want people to marry each other and have babies and whatnot. And it's going to be difficult to do that in this kind of a game because of the fact that you have that shared world thing going on. Um, and they've already had issues with uh, their demo that they released today. They Their server capacity couldn't handle it, and they could not have enough. Uh, all the people who got the demo couldn't play. So evidently they're working on it. They're trying to get everything handled. Um, however... I do think that this is something that probably should have been addressed during the uh, beta stress test. That would have been a really good thing to have. Uh, some people have said that there have been some bugs in the game uh, that they weren't quite figured out. Uh, and there's there's two de- there's two schools of thoughts regarding uh, two schools of thought regarding demos. One that it should be a more polished but shorter version of the game without bugs. Or it should have bugs and be thought of kind of like a secondary beta or what's the what, yeah, alpha beta gamma, a, a gamma, I guess, if you will. And I personally am of the former. I think the demo should be a little more streamlined. Uh, it shouldn't really be dealing with a lot of bugs at this point in time because you have a very um, narrow window to work through. So I think that should be as polished as possible and then figure out later on where the where the bugs are. But with it being a Bioware game, it has really high expectations because they've done so well in the past with their Mass Effect trilogy as even though it ender, ended on a, a whimper instead of a, a grand triumph, I'm interested, if you will, to see if they'll live up to it. Um, I've already seen a couple of the, the videos of the developers playing and things like that, and it, it looks beautiful. It looks amazing. And uh, it's, 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 it, the graphics are there. The, uh, the design is, is really good. And I also like that they are trying their best to create a very interesting world. Um, but... As always, when you talk about Bioware, you have to talk about the company that owns them, which is just just the worst, and that's EA Games. For those of you that aren't aware of EA Games, and they're the company that creates Madden, they're the company that creates NHL, FIFA, all those games, and they have... They bought out Bioware a while back, so Bioware is a subsidiary of EA Games. And EA has this terrible, terrible habit of trying to gouge players for as much money as they possibly can. 
And I think that it is one of the most unethical business practices I have ever seen in my entire life. And it frustrates me to no end, which is why I refuse to buy Battlefront 2 after the fiasco that was Battlefront 1 and how they pretty much sold you half a game for $60 and they expected you to pay for the rest of it. And that's where that's, that was where I kind of uh, told myself that I would never again buy another uh, EA game that wasn't made by Bioware, which I haven't. I'm pretty proud that I've stuck to that uh, so far. But EA is really bad with loot boxes. Um, that's a system that will give you random items for uh, whatever your character is in the game. Um, and they're really bad with pl- pay-to-win bo- loot boxes in that you just have to continue to, to pay more money so you can get the best loot. Um, and it is it is finally kind of bit them in the butt in trying to uh, get as much money out of the consumer as they possibly can. Um, so they've kind of stepped back a little bit on it. But for the most part, I know EA Games is just still kind of trying to get as much money out of of them as they can. However, Bioware games have continually kind of bucked the the mandate given to them by EA when it comes to adding those kinds of elements. Um, Kind of the loot box, get as much money with microtransactions as you can kind of situation. Bioware will add it into a game. However, they will adjust it so that it has the smallest impact on the game as a whole. Because I remember I bought Dragon Age Inquisition and I was worried because they had the whole multiplayer situation. They had loot boxes and they had to buy a certain currency and whatnot. And I never once played multi. I played multiplayer on Inquisition once. Uh, I didn't care for it. But... And I still beat the whole game. I still beat the whole game, didn't miss anything, enjoyed the game thoroughly. And I think that's the way you got to do it. You got to, if you want to have multiplayer in there, have it as an option, but don't have it to the point where it can, if you don't play it, it breaks the game. Bioware's tried to ensure that it didn't negatively impact the game, which I'm, I kind of applaud them for, kind of finding a way around uh, EA's unnecessary kind of commanding to add a, a microtransaction system. And if you're, if you're also not familiar, there was a game that was supposed to come out. Uh, I think it was supposed to follow Boba Fett um, in his journey on a bounty hunter. It was supposed to be like the Star Wars version of Uncharted. Everyone was really excited about that. It was actually... Um, uh, the head writer was Amy Hennig, the woman who wrote for Un- Uncharted. And... There, evidently, she had put together a uh, a meeting um, with the uh, execs at EA uh, regarding this 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 intricate and compelling story that she had just put all this effort to. This is like a two and a half hour presentation. She was just gonna shower them with with everything that she was gonna do and how excited she was. And uh, according to to someone who, again, this is all just just hearsay. 
but they had, they had told me that the first question that came out of their mouths when she had finished her presentation was, well, FIFA Ultimate Team makes us like $2 billion a year. Where's that in this? And she's like, this isn't that kind of a game. So they scrapped the whole thing. Um, and I think it's uh, a curse with gaming companies that are being led by business executives, not gamers or not people who create games because the business executives, while they are very good at, you know, trying to find the as much money as they can, they lose track on, they lose, they get out of touch with their customer base. Um, and it, it negatively can, it can negatively affect them in the long term because uh, they're so obsessed with getting money now. And uh, it's, it's quite a frustrating situation. You've got a lot of people who don't really care about the creating a quality video game you have you then put people on ridiculous uh deadlines and schedules because you need it out by this time because we need to hit this uh opening season we need to hit this this date specifically and uh, it's gonna and it, it can come back to bite you in the butt and it'll, it won't uh it won't go uh the way you planned uh, but i will say um going back to anthem they were originally supposed to release, I think, early, late last year, and they pushed the date back, which is something that I'm fine with. If a company tells you we're going to have to push the date back because we're not confident in what we have right now and we think we can retweak it and make it into a better game, then I'm all for it because uh, as much frustration as that may bring to people, I'd much rather have a more polished and possibly much better game that I just have to wait a couple extra months for than just scream and rant and yell about, I want it now. It's it's not that serious. Uh, you will get as much time. Um, you will get to spend as much time with that game as, as you want uh, in a couple months. So uh, it'll, it'll last. Moving on from Anthem, we've got another game coming out. This one only in four days. It already released in Japan. It is... Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh man, Kingdom Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts as one of the most beloved game series I've ever seen. But it has its detractors for uh good reason. It is so Kingdom Hearts 2, right? Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 both debuted on the PlayStation 2. And Kingdom Hearts 2 dropped in 2005 so it has been almost four years 14 years excuse me four years gosh it's been almost 14 years since we've had a a capstone kingdom hearts game we've had all the the 2.8s the birth by sleeps the dream drop distances the 358 and a half we've gotten all those for all the other different systems and whatnot and with those spin-offs they've <laughs> weaved this just very kind of convoluted story and it's probably one of the most convoluted stories in all the video games it's the all the all the spin-offs have made it so it's really hard to follow and because of that it can be really intimidating for new players to try and come in i actually started playing in kingdom hearts 2 i didn't start playing kingdom hearts 1 um but 
looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3, um, it's been 14 years. So it's got a ton of expectation on it. A ton of it. And because of that, people are expecting just this grand, grand ending to just this this story that has spanned, you know, 15, 16 years. And you're, they're trying to finally ready for uh, the end of Sora. And it, it's actually, like, the craziest thing about it is it skipped an entire console generation. It, they didn't come out with a single uh, capstone Kingdom Hearts game for the PS3. It was just all kind of remakes and other side projects for the PlayStation 3. So because of that, because people have had to wait for so long, they're looking forward. They're they're expecting a lot. And I don't know if they can deliver, personally, because something like that, the more you wait for it, the higher expectations get and the more you're expecting um, with it, I think a lot of people's expectations are a little too are, are too high now, so we'll see how it works out. Um, it is going to be available for the Xbox One for the first time. People are pretty excited about that. It's not a PlayStation exclusive, uh, but we'll see how it goes. And interesting information that came out today: if you ordered a special edition Kingdom Hearts PlayStation Four. You may not get it because GameStop had to cancel some pre-orders. Uh, they, it was an undisclosed number, so I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but they had to cancel some pre-orders because they oversold them. They, they sold more than they actually had, which I think for this situation is something you really need to pay attention to. Because like I said, people have been waiting for this game for 14 years, so you really can't screw this up. This is... Really, really, really important. But evidently GameStop did a GameStop thing and focused too much on trying to get as much money as they can and paid the price for it, which is going to really... I think it's really going to hurt them uh, PR-wise going forward um, as if they don't already have terrible PR. So that is... That is, we'll see. We'll see. The next couple, uh, next couple months are going to be interesting. Oh, I will keep you updated as things go forward in regards to video games. Uh, we're going to get into movies, uh, but I'm going to take a little break real quick, and then I will be right back. All right, see you soon. There's been a lot of movies coming out recently, especially of those of a uh, a comic book persuasion or anime persuasion. Uh, we had Aquaman come out last year, late last year. Um, we also had a movie that has kind of taken the world by storm, and that's Into the Spider-Verse. So I saw Into the Spider-Verse last week, 
and it was fantastic. I loved it so much, and I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did. Um, I do, uh, I do love Miles Morales just because uh, it's such an interesting take on a um, on a Spider Man. And I was really happy that he got to get his own movie because everyone always talks about Peter Parker. And Peter Parker is Spider-Man. He is Spider-Man. But having Miles Morales kind of be this this different version of Peter Parker where he's just as intelligent, um, but he's got completely different issues than Peter did. Um, and I like that. I like that a lot. And I thought it told a great story. The visuals for the movie were amazing. So I have also been listening to the End of the Spider-Verse soundtrack since I left the movie theater. It is one of the only things I've been playing on Spotify for the past uh, for the past like week or so. I have been listening. It's so good. It's so good. And the way they implement it in the movie uh, just makes every moment just seem that much more intense and exciting. So if you get a chance to go see it, I highly recommend it. It's a great movie. It is already uh, is grossed worldwide three hundred and twenty seven million dollars worldwide, which is crazy, especially for the kind of niche movie it is. Because as great as the the Avengers movies are, and the, as great as those Marvel movies are, those are definitely. Uh, geared towards more casual audiences in terms of comic books and things like that. Uh, they kind of make it a lot more accessible. Into the Spider-Verse, however, is very much for the comic book fan. Um, they've got a lot going on with, uh, with bringing in other Spider-Men, um, Spider-People, if you will, because uh, you got Spider-Gwen in there and you got, you know, Peter Porker, Spider-Pig. So, yes, people, Spider Pig does exist, and he's hilarious because he's uh, he's voiced by John Mulaney, who is perfect, and Nicolas Cage is also the voice of uh, Spider Man Dark. So that's really cool, and uh, it's it's just a great movie. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a really interesting story, um, and again, I said the soundtrack is amazing. So if you get a chance to go see it, I highly recommend it. If you already saw it, go see it again because it's worth it. I want to. Um, we got another uh, movie that came out uh, just last weekend. Uh, actually, yeah, just last weekend, which is uh, the Broly movie, Dragon Ball Super, the Broly movie. That is definitely um, even more niche than <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse because it's, it's Dragon Ball Super anime fans. But uh, if you're not familiar with Broly, he came out in a movie about, uh, oh man, Broly came out like 10 years ago, a little, I think a little bit before that even. Uh, but he was a kind of a non, he was a non-canon character because he, he just, he was in this this kind of spin-off movie uh, where he had this altercation with Goku and Vegeta and all that. Um, but with Broly being entered in, in this movie, he has now entered canon, which is a huge deal because you have certain characters um, that are, uh, you have you know your Gokus and your Vegetas and your Krillins and Piccolos and all that, but uh, entering Broly, which is another, uh, which is, he's another Saiyan prince, so uh, watch your back, Vegeta. It'll be really interesting to kind of 
uh, see what they decide to do with with him going forward. And I'm I'm personally really excited about it. And I just and unfortunately I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, which is why I can't give you uh, as much information as I would like to. But I am going to probably see it this weekend, and I'm I'm ready for it. And another another kind of kind of what they call a deconstructed superhero movie. Okay, it's uh, Glass. So anyone who has talked to me knows that I do not care for M Night Shyamalan after the last Airbender debacle. I love the last Airbender so much, and he kind of peed all over the movie, uh, peed all over my favorite one of my favorite. Um, series but he his unbreakable which came out in 02 and uh, split which came out two years ago those were his he these are the same movies in uh movies are in the same universe as glass which is um kind of the third in the trilogy and it's essentially kind of a a take on superheroes but much more i guess plausible in a way uh dealing with things like um uh multiple personality disorder and uh schizophrenia and the like with um james mcavoy's character and um kind of how these uh, abilities manifest in somebody and what they have to deal with. You have to you you have um, kind of the 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 battle between the good guys and the bad guys. Well, the good guy and the bad guys, because uh, you have Samuel Jackson as uh, Elijah, who is um, a man they call Glass. And he's hyper-intelligent, but he has very brittle bones, and, which is why they call him Glass. And this is about him creating this this superhero situation and kind of trying to bring these extraordinary people into the light of the, the, the mundane world, I guess. Um, so it's, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to go see that either. And I've been... And also, um, I watch Split against my will, really, because I don't like scary movies, nor movies that even look like they could become scary at any given point in time. But I did it. I I saw it, and I thought it was great. And I was like... I didn't even know that it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie until after the fact. And I was like, oh, oh, so this guy. It's like, oh, well, you know, nice to know that you can actually make a good movie when you, you know, are hard-pressed to do it or if you actually, you know, care about the given material. But anyway, I digress. I'm just going to leave my hatred for M. Night Shyamalan at the door. Uh, I'm excited for Glass. Should be interesting. Uh, Another big movie that's coming out is with is uh, Alita Battle Angel so it's for those of you that have just seen the previews and like what in the name of all that is all that is holy is going on uh, Battle Angel Alita is an anime and a manga that came that really popular in Japan uh, around the uh, mid to or early to mid 2000s um, 
It's about essentially like a cyborg woman in this world. And it's, she is essentially like a, a, a cyborg superhero. Um, and it's trying to, trying to figure out exactly how well this will work in the uh, United States remains to be seen, especially after the Ghost in the Shell situation, um, which led to a ton of memes on the internet saying that every character just needs to hurry up and be played by Scarlett Johansson because uh, there's a lot of people who are upset about the uh, whitewashing of the character. But uh, Alita Battle Angel, uh, it's going to have Christoph Waltz in it, who, if you don't know who he is, uh, you must have been living under a rock because he's fantastic. He was in Inglorious Bastards. He was um, in uh, Django Unchained as well. So, uh, movies. Uh, so, if you have a chance to go see Alita: Battle Angel, I would highly recommend it. It uh, should be uh, should be good. Um, I'm really looking forward to it myself. And uh, with with those movies out of the way, we are going to take another quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about eSports. Yeah, it just got super real. All right. Uh, see you guys soon. Bye. Didn't see you there. Of course I did. I knew you were coming back. But esports. So, so for those of you that may not know anything about esports, uh, which is surprising because they've been kind of uh, on the rise over the last couple years or so, that it is video games played competitively. And you have these guys who play professionally and they're really stinking good. There's a lot of people who try to come for people who enjoy esports. They're like, why do you just watch somebody play video games? Couldn't you play video games? And I tell them, well, why do you watch people play basketball when you could just play basketball? And they're like, but they're really good. I was like, exactly. That's why. Because these people are the best players in the world. And that's why when you watch them, it's just that much more interesting. So I say give esports a chance. Give... Uh, watching people p- play at a high level um, competitively, give it a chance. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and one of the, my favorite things to do is watch Overwatch League. You know what's funny? I don't even really play Overwatch. But I love watching Overwatch League. These people are really good. They're really, really good at the game. And because of that, uh, I get a chance to kind of learn more about the game and learn more about kind of the the underlying meta game in the game itself. Um, and the people who do shoutcasting for Overwatch League are really good and they know what they're talking about. So I digress. So this weekend, we have the Dragon Ball Z Grand Finals. Uh, those are in LA this weekend. Uh, they're wrapping up the world tour. And I have no idea what's going to happen. 
Uh, there's a lot of uh, quality players in it, and they, they've got a lot going on. But I will actually be talking about the results next week. I will be watching that over the weekend, and I will be right back to you on Friday letting you know uh, who won, who kind of just kind of came out of nowhere, and, uh, who had some really good uh, who had some really good matches, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But we are gonna move on to the the meat of this esports situation, and that is we're gonna talk about probably arguably one of the most popular uh, esports in the world. Uh, I'm not really talking about league as much as popular as League of Legends is. We're actually going to talk about Overwatch League, which I think is a little bit more mainstream than uh, League of Legends. We'll get to that at some at, a, at another point in time. But Overwatch League Stage One kicks off on Valentine's Day. With uh, for so for people who aren't familiar with Overwatch League, it's split up into uh, three separate stages throughout the season, and kind of once you start a new say, stage, uh, the slate's wiped clean, um, and you. You get points based on your your stats. Um, and last year, the London Spitfire won the championship, which kind of which surprised a lot of people because you had um, uh, New York Excelsior was really good, um, LA Valiant, and I think it was Boston Uprising were pretty pretty strong teams last year. And of course, London Spitfire, um, but they had a great run in the playoffs to win. And so we'll see if they repeat this year. And my biggest concern for the upcoming season is will the Shanghai Dragons finally win a match? So to put it in main sports terms, the Shanghai Dragons are the Cleveland Browns of the Overwatch League. They went 0-40 last year. They did not win a single match. They won individual ma- they and I think they won like ten matches, uh, ten maps over the course of uh, the entire season. But they did not win a single match. So, fingers crossed. Will the Dragons actually win a match? We'll see how it goes. But also, with the amount of success that Overwatch League had last year, they added eight new expansion teams for a total of twenty. They've got the Atlanta Rain, uh, the Chengdu Hunters, the Guangzhou. Charge, the Hangzhou Spark, Toronto Defiance, Paris Eternal, Vancouver Titans, and the Washington Justice. We will get into the irony of that name a little bit later. But, so, with adding so many expansion teams, I think they also have a, a, they, they, it's a, it's a calculated risk. Because adding so many expansion teams could negatively uh, it could spread you guys. It could spread the league too thin. Uh, trying to um, use resources they don't have. However, with Overwatch League really only taking place in kind of one one spot, uh, that's not as much of a risk. But um, I am, am concerned that Overwatch League may be trying to expand uh, too much too quickly. But. As of right now, I'm just being proved wrong because people are still pretty excited about it. And one of the things that I really want to touch on is 
the supposed toxicity in gaming towards female gamers, which I don't, which I think is is absolutely true. Um, it is for, unfortunate because I have so many female friends who will kick my butt in video games, but until the middle of last season, every single one of the Overwatch League players was male, and I don't think that's fair. Um, because evidently a lot of the people who are the general managers of the teams were just trying to appeal, I guess, to a certain demographic. But the there are women out there who could run through some of these people. And it's, it's, it's cool because the last, in the middle of last year, when the Shanghai Dragons were still kind of, we're still, well, the, there's no still. They are falling apart. They will always fall apart until they finally win a match. But the Shanghai Dragons decided to uh, roll the dice and acquire uh, Giguri. Uh, that's her handle name. Um, she is a Zarya tank in Overwatch. And they were like, they figured we're, <laughs> we're losing all the time. We got nothing to lose in this case. Uh, if anything, it will actually help uh, people watch us more. Actually, the Shanghai Dragons are probably one of the most loved teams in in uh, Overwatch League. It's just because they keep losing. But Giguri was also the Shanghai Dragons' lone all-star, um, which is baffling because that means she got passed on over half... Like, like when they were making the initial... Um, Acquirement, uh, making the initial acquisitions, uh, Guri just got passed on by every other team in the league, and she became uh, an all star in only half the season, which is which is fantastic, and that shows that just because a woman is playing, it does not mean that they are not good at the game. Um, there's a lot of women I know that deserve to. Um, play professionally there's a lot of women that deserve to at least deserve consideration and let's not even get into the whole um situation that happened last month regarding the uh, well i think it was last two two months ago regarding the the overwatch player that got called up from the developmental system to and there were people who were like oh well she must not exist since she's a woman da 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 They've got to be catfishing all of us, da, 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 da. and evidently she did not want to deal with the negative press, so she withdrew from the game, which is uncalled for. Nobody should be made to feel less than because they are a certain way. Games are supposed to be inclusive. They're supposed to be competitive, yes, but esports... One of the greatest things I love about esports is anyone can do. Anyone can be great at an esport as long as they put in enough time and they put enough effort. Um, there's limits in, you know. Um, there's limits in in conventional sports because of athleticism and just being your body being able to do certain things. But with esports, they're a lot more accessible. And because of that, we need to remember that video games are meant to be accessible and they're meant to have all these great things for everyone to enjoy. So I just implore you, my loyal 
two people listening to this, <laughs> that you will uh, just remember that and remember that all people deserve to be included and uh, at least given a shot to prove themselves. And if they can't hang, they can't hang. But if they can, then they deserve uh, everything uh, that's coming for them. But that's it. That's all I got. First episode, nerd news out the way. Oh, man. This was this was kind of a haul. I spent a lot of time on friggin' Anthem. Sorry, guys. But I am so excited to have you here. Uh, this is my first full week of Random Acts of Awesomeness. Done. Chalked up. Write it down. Put in the notes. Uh, I look forward to uh, hanging with you guys next week. We've got some things to talk about. Uh, Pro Bowls this weekend. So I'm going to talk about that on Monday. Uh, We've also got the Royal Rumble and TakeOver, as well as um, we're going to talk about all-star stuff, Um, both hockey and basketball. So I'm looking forward to hanging with you guys next week. And uh, so we got that and new episode of Rise of an Empire on Wednesday and more new Nord news coming up next week. All right. As always, I've been Cole Johnson. Follow me at GaiusOctavian13 on Twitter at G-A-I-U-S-O-C-T-A-V-I-A-N-1-3. And please, remember, love one another, be kind, because that's, that's, that's all that anyone really needs in this world. All right. See you guys later. Peace. Peace.